Eagles Entertainment. Everything that move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's right, another day, and we're breaking down the tape of the big win as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 485. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with my friend Greg Cosell about what we saw from the film and the Eagles' big win over the Miami Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. We've got a lot to discuss on both sides, and the Eagles reportedly making a big trade on Monday. We're going to talk through what that report says. Could be official by the time you're listening to this podcast. We'll talk through that with Greg Cosell at the very top of the show before we transition to this week's upcoming matchup against the Washington Commanders, the Eagles' first rematch of the 2023 season. Before we get to that discussion, a couple things I want to make sure we hit on. As always, some housekeeping. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. If you've got a question, leave it there. That's the best way to leave us your support uh, as we are now approaching. We're getting we're getting very close now to the halfway point of the 2023 NFL season. And make sure you go check out our All 22 review. It's going to be up on the Eagles YouTube page probably by the time you're listening to this podcast. So if you want to check out some of the plays that Greg and I are going to be breaking down here in this discussion, you want to make sure you head on over, watch those plays down over on my on the Eagles YouTube page. Uh, it's a segment that, get, that will drop on Tuesday morning. That said, uh, really appreciate everybody that's been able to throw us your support on Apple or over on the Eagles YouTube page. Let's get rolling here. It's time now for Chalk Talk with Greg Cosell. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to welcome in my friend Greg Cosell to talk about an Eagles Big win uh, this past Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins, Greg. And, you know, usually we start on the offensive side. I feel like the the uh, more fun discussion here this week might be talking about this Eagles defense going up against the Dolphins offense. And there were so much written, so much said. You and I had a long conversation a week ago tonight about what this matchup would entail for Sean Desai's, Sean Desai's unit, the challenges that would be put in front of them, especially considering how shorthanded they were. Uh, and they were that. They were very shorthanded in this game on Sunday night. But they were able to go out and execute a really well-orchestrated game plan and come out on top. Yeah, I think they orchestrated the game plan that you have to execute against the uh, Dolphins. Um, you know, I was uh, the Dolphins obviously have been a fascinating team to watch, um, and I've seen every one of their games. I've had an opportunity to talk to some coaches that have played against them, and the way you play against them, it's not rocket science. It's not something that wow, the Eagles did something that no one else has done. Yep. I mean, essentially, they played split safety the whole game. They played a ton of cover two. They got a little more mixy as the late in the third and into the fourth quarter when it was clear that they felt pretty comfortable with how they were playing. Um, the thing that probably struck me the most, but I think because they played split safety and a ton of cover two, they felt they could do it, was that they still played with their five-man front. I didn't think they would do as much of that as they did mm. simply because you need more in coverage, but they chose to play a ton of cover two. Um you know, the other thing that really struck me, and we had this conversation in our matchup room, was I, I, and again, maybe Mike McDaniel thought differently. Maybe he thought he could do different things, but this did not look like, right from play one, this did not look like the Dolphins offense that I'd seen through six games. So it was a kind of an odd mix, but I think the Eagles played it 
pretty much exactly the way you have to play the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, to me, like the even you mentioned how much cover two they played, and over the first six weeks, and again, all, that's all we can deal with, right? Is the six week sample, but six weeks is a pretty substantial sample uh, by NFL standards. Uh, the Eagles were twenty eighth in the league in cover two percentage. That, right. that was just not something that, uh, <laughs> right. that they played too often, and they came out and they played more cover two than anybody in the league this past week in week seven, uh, and it was a, a go to coverage for them. And you know, I, I think of the first couple times they ran it. I don't know that Tua like was uh, entirely uh, anticipating that, and I, I think that that kind of gave them a little bit of a head jump. Uh, you know, the, the the play that stands out was the incompletion of Braxton Berrios on third down, where they had the double mug look. Uh, it looked like it was going to be some kind of man coverage, and we talked about this a week ago that that had kind of developed into being like the Eagles' third down identity. Right? It was uh, some of those like heavy looks up front, maybe the five man front running some kind of stunt combination with man coverage behind it. The Eagles show that early in the down, you get that double mug look, and it's like okay, there, there's going to be some kind of pressure here uh you have press coverage on the outside but instead everybody retreats out it's a four-man rush they're playing cover two uh and if that ball was even a, fur- a little bit further outside that's a darius slay interception going the other way and it just felt like the, the, the play a play like that the eagles didn't do that over and over they had to mix things up obviously against this offense but uh, i thought that was just a really good sign of what the night was going to be for this eagles defense yeah and again i you know i it's very interesting to hear you say that, and that could well be true because you and I don't know what's into his head or how they practiced all week. Yeah. But when you play their offense, pretty much everybody will tell you that you have to play split safety, especially if your safeties are who the Eagles' safeties were. You know, it's not as if they're playing with high-end veteran safeties who've been playing together for years. So you you need to protect them. You need to protect your coverage. So you're going to play split safety, and cover two is a major split safety coverage. So I, I guess I, w- I would be surprised that Tua would, would not think that he was going to see cover two. I mean, mm-hmm. it was evident from the beginning of the game that on third down, for sure, they were going to play cover two. As you said, they got to it different ways through disguise and late rotation, um, which is always a good thing, obviously, because it just, you know, all you need is a fraction of of uh, a beat for the quarterback not to be certain as to what he's seeing. Um, and, and I think the play you described was a perfect example of that. Um, but, you know, like I said, I would just be surprised that they wouldn't expect to see split safety when the Eagles starting safeties were Sidney Brown and Terrell Edmonds, who, you know, neither one is really a back end safety and neither one has much experience in the NFL playing on the back end. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing was that, you know, you're coming into this game and, and that lack of continuity there on the back end, that, that was a huge concern, right? How are they going to be able to execute, you know, passing off the different motions and passing off routes and pattern match zone coverages? And the Eagles played more a, a heavy amount of zone, obviously, in this game to, you know, try heavy. to get away from some of those one-on-one matchups. Uh, we did see some man coverage, as you mentioned, as we got later in the game, you started to see some man coverage m- concepts mixed in, uh, mainly some like cover one double against Tyreek Hill, uh, which required them man coverage across the board uh you know the rest of the way but i think when you look at uh the way they mix things up and that's something that you and i we've talked about this going back to like week two against minnesota was that uh it's not like the eagles that hey like you know what this this is their identity from a coverage standpoint they've really been very multiple uh you know more so than most teams i would say uh in terms of how often they you know run certain coverages hey this week it was a big cover six week this week they're playing a lot of man this week it's a lot of cover three or a lot of cover four this past week like i mentioned it was a lot of cover too uh, and I think that multiplicity uh, really bodes well for them and just making them difficult to prepare for yeah and I think obviously when you play the Dolphins you have to play to to the opponent you're playing against yeah and I thought they you know they did a really good job of that um and uh 
you know, it, it, the other thing that really struck me, I don't know your thoughts, but I don't feel like we saw a lot of Tyreek Hill in motion in this game. And I, again, I don't know. I didn't feel like this was the Dolphin offense I had seen for six weeks. And I don't know if they didn't do the motion because they got so much split safety. But again, you would think that Mike McDaniel and Tua would expect that you'd get a lot of split safety. Uh, so it was kind of an odd game. The Eagles did exactly what they had to do. They played their coverages really well. But it was a very, watching it, you know, I kept calling my guys in and saying, where's the motion? Where's the stuff we've seen for six weeks? I'm not really seeing a lot of that. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if, uh, you know, what there is to that um, from the the behind the scenes aspect of it. I mean, the other element, too, that was just not existent for them, you know, and I'm sure this is intertwined a little bit, uh, yards after catch. I mean, they were far and away ahead of everybody uh, in the NFL from a yards after catch standpoint. They were averaging seven yards after the catch per reception, which, again, was way far out in front of the rest of the league in this game. They averaged 2.2 yards after the catch per reception, so nearly five yards per reception less than their average. Uh, and I think they're you know you look at that in a lot of different ways. Obviously, uh, the Eagles' ability to make tackles one on one, rallying to the football. They did you know there was the uh, the play action boot in the red zone where uh, Josiah Scott and Slay did an outstanding job of kind of vicing and containing Tyreek Hill, not letting him get to the edge. And there there were multiple examples uh, of them just doing a really good job, whether it was one on one tackling or working in tandem are working as a team to be able to corral those ball carriers. Yeah, no, they did. They played it. You know, like I said, I had an opportunity to speak to a coach that's played against them and knows them well. And the Eagles kind of did what pretty much every coach I've talked to said. So it wasn't, they didn't reinvent the wheel. They played the way you have to play to play the Dolphins. And they played it with really high level execution. And then from a, a run defense standpoint as well, they really could not. I don't know what the Miami Dolphins were doing in the run game, Fran. I really have no idea because those early runs were nothing like they had done all year. So I have no idea what they were trying to do there. They 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 definitely like you know tried to pull out some you know some weird rabbits out of the hat right I mean they they ran that wham play early on where yep. they tried to wham Jordan Davis but uh, you know they looked like the blocking assignments were all kind of discombobulated there uh, they they ran some of those uh, some of the staples that we've seen over the years but uh, where like hey like they're going to try and double team the the place IDN but the double team didn't take place and so Reddick was able to dominate yeah. the tight end and get off I mean yeah a lot of examples of plays like that. Yeah, and and then when they started to run the way they'd been running all year, Mostert had some good runs. So I was really kind of – it was a very odd game for me to watch because I've seen – and I don't know if you had a chance to watch all six Dolphins game. I I, I did, yep. Okay, I'd seen them all, and it just – I don't know if Mike McDaniel psyched himself out. I I don't know. I can't speak to what's in someone's mind, Mm. Uh, but – it did not look, with very few exceptions, it did not look like the Dolphins' offense I had seen through six games. Were there any individual defensive players that stood out to you? You know, just kind of going back through the film uh, as you uh, sat through it on Monday. There were a few individual plays, but I don't think anybody like stood out like in, like last week where Jordan Davis just stood out to me. Sure, um, you know, Jalen Carter always has, you know special plays um you know where you go wow that's that's really really good although i tell you what one play that really stood out and you talk about taking away first window throws yeah and and i think that's critical um and you'll remember this play for sure um it was the first third quarter possession it ended up being an ahmad reception for no gain yep um thought it was a great example of the eagles taking away tiger vailoa's first window throw um they were again in split safety of course slay undercut the inbreaker uh by hill um 
and then Morrow actually did a pretty good job sinking to get underneath really the good. route. He probably caught the attention of, of Tua as well. And uh, Tua was forced to throw the check down to Ahmed, and Redekim had tackled him for no gain. You know, I thought that that play is reflective of how you have to play the Dolphins. You take away the first window. Because, again, contrary to what people might think, because they did end up with four sacks, it was not the pass rush that was a huge factor in this game. You know, right. it became a factor later. At, you know, obviously they had a sack early. Two, two sacks on the final drive, right. Right, and it, and there was a sack early on third and long when everything's different, as, as we all know. But it wasn't the pass rush that dictated why the Eagles' defense played really well in this game. You uh, for our listeners at home, uh, they might be listening to this man like, oh, I, I wish I could see what Greg is talking about on that that uh, that tackle by Reddick in the flat uh, with Slay undercutting the route. I broke the play down on all Good twenty-two of you. So by the, by the time we are listening, uh, people are listening to this podcast, you should be able to go to the Eagles YouTube page and check out the all twenty-two review. No, uh, I'm glad you did that one because I, you know, down. to me, that's kind of you know that's that's what every coach talked about that i talked to is you got to take away the first window throws because you know you'll remember on the play because you broke it yep. down that then two was started to back up you could see how uncomfortable he gets you know he's he's a first window thrower he's a timing rhythm first window thrower yeah there was there were plays like that early on as well you know nicobe dean getting in front of the window and then forcing the check down to tyree kill that went for no gain like there, there were a couple throughout the course of the night but uh that one to to ahmed the check down to ahmed there were that was the cleanest the one i thought in the game i agree and so that yeah. was uh that was one of five plays i broke down uh from the entire game on both sides so and then i thought uh, there were a couple and then before we just move on i thought there were a couple of you know and this happens in games especially when you start to get a little uncomfortable is where um you know, just some some poor execution by the Dolphins. I mean, clearly on the Slay interception, I thought that play was designed for Mostert to run the this sort of the slot fade from empty against Cunningham. And I don't know why Waddle was, you know, three feet away from him. I don't believe he should have been there. Um, then there was a Waddle 14-yard completion to start a late third quarter possession, which was actually a timing inbreaker, but it was a poor throw by Tua. And actually, if you hit him in stride, he might still be running. So, can you know, I, you can, have those examples Greg, can I, too. Can I read you uh, Mike McDaniel's quote about the interception after? Because I, I actually went to find it because I wanted to see if he was asked about it. Because um, I, I thought the same thing as yeah, from what you and said. He said no. I was going to get his thoughts. So, um, you know, so he said, you know, that one in particular, there were a couple of, the, there were a couple of double moves that are kind of built for man coverage. So it kind of disperses that way where they're kind of close together. That's something that we've been working on for a while. You know, those are the things that you have to learn from in terms of that particular play with Tua because playing quarterback in this league is tough enough, but getting used to adjusting when you don't have protection versus when you do on that particular play, I thought we do have solid protection there. And so when Tua watches the film, I'm sure he'll be critical of himself as the leader he is and where he's at in his career. He's pretty overly accountable for throws and he kind of let that one fly on his back foot. So I was hoping Raheem would step back and make a play uh, and then just went on to talk, you talk about how the, the play kind of unfolded. Uh, but right. I thought and that was being, interesting. Being pleasant about it, but there's no no way that two receivers should be three yards apart from one another. No way. Yeah, that's. A, I thought it was interesting because then the way I read it was all you know. The, maybe Tua should have gone elsewhere on the concept, maybe like, you know, based off the coverage. Um, maybe yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting. But they. Uh, but they did get Mostert on Cunningham, and he got on top of him. That's what they wanted, right? Yeah, yep. I, I would think that's what they wanted because they went empty for a reason. Yep. Because Mostert ran a vertical route, and a vertical route from empty you get vertical quicker than if you're offset in the backfield so sure. again I, i'm not i'm not debating mike mcdaniel you know he's certainly but again he's also going to protect his quarterback and say the right things but there's no way that, that those two routes should have been three yards from one another no way 
Uh, before we move to the Eagles offense, I would be remiss if I didn't talk to, you know, as, as someone who watches uh, all 32 teams, I, I would love to get a scouting report from you uh, on Kevin Byard, the safety from the Tennessee Titans that uh, the Eagles reportedly, as we were recording this at 745 Monday night, uh, it is not official yet, but according to reports, starting with NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport, uh, the Eagles are trading for veteran safety Kevin Byard. Uh, he was a day two pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, the Eagles are trading Terrell Edmonds, who started for the Eagles this week uh, at safety and is started for most of the season at safety uh, Edmonds and two day three selections uh, for Kevin Byard. So uh, what I will ask you, Greg is uh, what, what's the scouting report these days on Kevin Byard? What are the Eagles getting reportedly uh, in the veteran? Yeah, I, I've thought that Kevin Byard and I've seen every one of his snaps in the national football league. And I remember actually watching him coming out of college because yep. um, he went to middle Tennessee state, I believe. Yes. And- that year they played Alabama and he was one of the best players on the field, even though of course they lost, you know, 55 to 10 or whatever it was. And he I had remember two picks noti- in that game, if I remember right. Correct. Yeah. And I remember noticing him then, but yep. Kevin Byard has been one of the best all around safeties in the league for years. He can play on the back end. He can match up to tight ends. He can play in the box. He can blitz. He can defend the run. You'll hear people say, well, he hasn't made a ton of impact plays this year. I think that's a, a week to week, year to year thing with safeties. You know how that goes. Some yep. some year a safety can intercept six balls. The next year he can intercept none and still be a really important player. So I think they've got themselves a really, really multidimensional safety, really good player, and that will help their defense a lot because there's a lot of things he can do. Yeah, I think you you pair him with uh, with Reed Blankenship, who's played really well when out there uh, for the Eagles, and you have a young player in Sidney Brown uh, coming up behind him, and he has shown that he can play both deep and uh, in the slot at times. We've seen that uh, when Sidney Brown has been out there and healthy. So uh, I mean, you know, as this secondary continues to gel, I mean, and again, we're starting to see reps from some of these young players. I didn't think Eli Ricks looked bad uh, in the slot. Greg. No, I thought, no, yeah, he I did thought not. he had some good reps. Uh, yeah. and he is not lacking for confidence. He went one on one with Tyree Kill a number of times, uh, certainly on that final play that fourth down play uh you know you kind of see the uh the confidence coming off the film with the uh, eli rick so it'll be exciting to continue to watch these young guys continue to develop but uh an addition like kevin byard will uh will do wonders i think for the back end of this defense i think it's a really exciting addition uh so we'll we'll talk through that a little bit more uh as things progress but as of this point not official uh as of this recording by the time our listeners are hearing this it may be official so uh we shall see from that front now that said let's go over to the other side of the football uh the eagles offense against the Dolphins defense. Uh, what were your big takeaways going through the film on this side? All right. Here, here's what I typed when I was done watching. Okay? okay. And I thought about this a lot because obviously, you know, you and I have watched the Eagles in great detail now for, you know, a, a long time, but obviously we're talking about Jalen Hurts and his development and, and this is going to, I, I don't want, I'm going to read what I wrote in a second, but I'm almost going to start by saying the Eagles offense has become boringly good. Mm. So I hope, you know, people don't take the word boring in the in the wrong way. Because here's what I typed: I said, at their core, the Eagles' offense is built on their O line and run game, with the ability to make explosive plays in the pass game, both through design and scheme, and individual playmakers at running back and wide receiver and tight end. In addition to Hertz, higher level secondary action traits. They are a sustaining offense structurally with big play abilities throughout. Hertz has quietly developed into an executor and distributor who is also a playmaker. I kind of think they're boringly good. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is that you know while the the feeling you know when you when you uh, if you're on does social make, media, I mean, what I read does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, absolutely. But that's what but what's funny about it is that I feel like the the general feeling uh, with like fans and with some of the, with some of the media coverage is that oh you know the, the offense is disjointed. It's not what it was last year. Yeah. The, the numbers I think you know certainly tell a different story now. They, are they turning the ball over a little bit too much? Yes. I mean, that, that has been an issue where it was the red zone, an issue earlier on in the year. Uh, you know, we'll say like weeks uh, two through four. Uh, yes. Uh, there was, the, they had to get better in the red zone, but that's the thing when you get into uh, situational football is that you can be you know a couple plays here and there, a couple bounces of the ball here and there, and things are a little bit different. The pick six, you know, that, that was, I don't know how you felt about it. Like I, that's kind of one of the, it was kind of like the, the interception that he threw on the screen last week where that Jermaine Johnson made kind of a, a, a amazing play. That's a, it's not a fluky play, but essentially it's a fluky play, right? You, I think that yeah, was a, a bad bounce uh, that bounced off a guy's leg and it went in right into Jerome Baker's hands. Uh, those are the kind of plays where it's like, yeah, like, all right, you know, th- th- that's unfortunate. Uh, but more often than not, that play's not going to happen. No. I mean, they, they you know, I, I, I think, I, I think the the difference is, um, you know, we've seen the Eagles be a good running football team, you know, in the last couple of years. But I think one of the things that probably stands out is, you know, I think Brian Johnson is is committed to it, you know, and 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 he will do it, and he will do it in down and distance situations when people expect to pass, and therefore they get upset. But you know, I, I just feel like this offense is is efficient. You know, they they kind of it starts with the O line. Okay. Everything starts with the O line. And even though they do throw it more than they run it, I feel like it almost you know, look what they did last night. They came out and they ran the ball. Yep. And that's how they start. And and then they see how that goes and they work off that. And they figure out in that given game how many runs they want to have versus how many passes. Uh and they've got playmakers all throughout the offense. Um look, people can can you know, whine about it all day long, but aren't they sort of top three in the league in a lot of offensive categories? I mean, basically every, you know, uh, whether it's an efficiency metric, uh, the, the one area where they're not is red zone touchdown percentage and right. everything else, points per game, third down, EPA per play, yards per play, yeah. touchdown drive percentage. You go down the list and it's like, yeah, they're, they're top five, they're top six in basically every category. Yeah. And, and like I said, I mean, to me, they're just kind of boringly good. I mean, yeah. and, and because they still have the playmaking ability of Jalen and certainly someone like A.J. Brown with his run after catch, uh, you know, it's they can those plays can pop up any time, but they're just a, a consistently sustaining type offense with big playability. And that's what you want to be, because they can they can beat you offensively any number of ways. And mm. that's you know, you don't want to get stuck having to rely on one way to win uh, offensively on a weekly basis. Because if that gets taken away, then you're in trouble. And the Eagles are not in trouble. They don't They don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think that, you know, to what you said, they, they have the ability to win in a multitude of ways. Yeah. Whether it's running the football, uh, quick game, vertical game, RPO game, screen game, uh, individual plays by Absolutely. Goddard or by AJ or by Devontae. Like all these guys have the ability to beat you. Uh, Jalen with his legs. I mean, there's just so many different elements and layers no to question. the offense that, that work in their favor. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think last night was a good example because you saw a little bit of everything uh, in this game. Uh, I thought that we saw, we saw some big time plays from Jalen creating outside of structure. Uh, some of it, a lot of his, many of his scrambles last night 
were really good scrambles. Not not of like, oh, like he broke down too early. He should have stayed in there and throw it. Well, I think there was like one or two examples maybe uh, of that. But I think overall it was like, yeah, like that was a big time scramble. The, the, I mean, the big one, the, the one that stood out was the uh, the 32 yarder uh, to AJ Brown on the scramble drill uh, where he started towards AJ's side and then came back. There was they probably should have thrown and- it to AJ for the first down because it was fourth and three. But then you get what you get. Right. I mean, there's just a, a lot of examples of, of his ability. Just you know, to and, and, and the other thing, too, is what it's forces defenses to do. You know, first possession of the game. OK, it was the eighth play, I believe. Um, it was the first snap of sub defense by the Dolphins. It ended up being a Goddard shallow crosser for 22 yards. Yeah. You know, here's the hurts factor. What did Chubb do? He spied him instead of rushing the quarterback. Mm. So, you know, you get that element as well that forces defenses to play a certain way, you know, as opposed to, quote unquote, playing normal. So yeah. it's just a really good offense. And, you know, it's it, there are times that it just looks okay. It's efficient and sustaining, and you don't get excited about it, but it's really, really good. You know what I like? They ran that mesh play a couple times, the one you're talking about. The, they, the came right back, they came back to it for 10 yards, I think, in the fourth quarter, the fourth exact quarter. same play. Yeah, both of them were uh, were on third down, third and long. They converted both times on, on the shallow cross to Goddard. Uh, both times Apple a, was on him, too, yeah. Yeah, A.J. Brown did a great job of uh, of setting yeah. interference on both of those plays uh, in a, in a like non-contact way. They did it perfectly legally. It was outstanding both times. But what I love about that version of the mesh is it's it's a two-man mesh concept, so it's just the two, to the two shallow but you have that intermediate route from Devontae Smith that uh, essentially makes it like a three-level stretch on that side. So that's the element where it's like, okay, if it's man coverage, you've got the you've got the mesh element. But if it's zone, now you've got the, that vertical stretch on that side where you've got yep. Goddard underneath, Devontae intermediate, and you had a vertical route outside of that. Uh, so I, I really well, like that, what, the way that runs. That's that what concept. coaches talk about all the time. You want to provide answers. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I but that's just a perfect example of kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, it's uh, they're just a good offense. It's it's it they're a really really good offense that you would assume would get better. Like you said, it's some fluky interceptions. Obviously, Jalen has more interceptions this year than last year. Some of them are really fluky. Um, I to me, I'm not really that overly concerned about it. There's no way I would call Jalen Hurts an interception machine in any in in, in any version. He's yeah. not that kind of quarterback. No, that's the thing. I think the uh, uh, the sample that we have seen from him has shown that he is not that type of player. And I think even when you look at all of the uh, the, the the interceptions in totality this year, you say like, all right, like more often than not, uh, you know, those are not necessarily on Jalen Hurts. So no, um, no, a lot to uh, support through from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I think that's it. You know, from in terms of like the, that game against the Dolphins, uh, just a really efficient performance. They go over thirty points again. Uh, AJ Brown, the second player since the merger, Greg, to go five yeah. straight games of one hundred and twenty-five plus yards. Uh, Calvin Johnson, the only other player to do it. Uh, just one just, final point, Fran. I think that what speaks to what I was saying about their offense is is really reflected in their final two touchdown drives. All yep. of a sudden, it's seventeen seventeen. They get the ball. They're going a long drive, 24-17. They get the ball again after, I guess, the, the Dolphins uh, failed to convert, right? Was that it on fourth down, if I'm not mistaken? Correct, and yep. They go on another drive for a touchdown. That's who they are. You know, it's it's just – and both were long drives. You know, obviously, the second one had the 42-yard, or I think it was 42 yards to, to A.J., which was yep. an unbelievable throw, by the way, because he was getting hit, I believe, by Van Ginkle right yep. as he was throwing the ball. But the point is, is – they just are efficient and sustaining in how they play and how they move the ball. 
Yeah, and both of those two touchdown drives, too, came immediately after the pick six. So you want to talk about like right, a quarterback right. not letting a play beat him twice and not letting things snowball yeah. out, out of control. Yeah. Uh, I think that resiliency showed up there with Jalen Hurts uh, in that occasion as well. Uh, let's now spin this forward to uh, this week's matchup. Uh, the Eagles' first rematch of the 2023 season. Now they go down the road uh, to Washington to take on the Commanders. Uh, we'll start with the Eagles' offense going up against the Washington defense. Uh, this is a group where... You know, tip, when we, we were getting ready for this matchup in week four, we talked about how multiple they were in terms of their personnel packages. You know, they, they oh, it's will totally play, different defense. It's right totally now. different now. Yeah, but they, they, they've had a couple injuries. They benched Emmanuel yeah. Forbes, the rookie first round pick. He hasn't played the last two weeks. Uh, so the, now they're they they before where it was like, oh, they have two different nickel packages and they play dime and they'll go base. Now it's really just kind of like, all right, they're going to play base and they're going to play nickel. Well, yeah, and that's that because Derek Forrest is hurt. So yep. um, he's out. So um, last week we saw them play a true base defense as opposed to big nickel. So they they played four three with three backers. Hudson was the third linebacker, and then um, Barton got hurt. I don't know what his status is. And they yeah, he's got a, he's got a, it. Looks like it sounds like it's going to be a high ankle. So I I think so he'll, he'll be, be out for him to go. Yeah, yeah. So David Mayo, who's been around the league, you can certainly line him up, and he'll do fine for you. So you know. They'll, they'll be in a 4-3, and you're right. Emmanuel Forbes only played in the dime this past week, so I think he played six or seven snaps. He's essentially yep. been benched in the nickel, so they play St. Juice primarily at the boundary corner, uh, Fuller primarily at the field corner, and Danny Johnson, who's been around with them for years, is now their slot. So, yep. you know, it's it's a different defense. Their base used to be big nickel with the three safeties. Yep. They You know, they don't play big nickel now because one of their Forest key safeties, Forrest, is, is on IR. Yeah, uh, so that kind of has dictated to them to uh, to them in terms of the way that they're going to have to play. Uh, now that said, uh, this is a group that relies heavily on the four man rush. Uh, they're not they're not a big blitzing operation, uh, but, but that four man rush has started to become fruitful. I mean, you're starting Chase Young, now healthy. Uh, he had a couple of sacks this past week. He's one of the leaders in the league. I think he's number eight in the NFL, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, in terms of overall pressures. Montez Sweat is playing some of his best football right now. You have the two guys inside in Payne and Allen uh, that are still very productive and very effective, both against the run in the past. So uh, you still have to worry about that front four, for sure. Yeah, and I, and I still don't think they're playing at a level that is their, you know, the, we've seen over peak, the years. Yep. Right. You know, which, you know, you always think, okay, well, they're more than capable of doing that any given week. So you can't go into a game saying, ah, they're not playing very well. You know, they could certainly dominate at any given time. Um, Obviously, um, you know, Young, he had two sacks this week. One, he was unblocked. The other was, I believe, a speed to power rush versus Pew, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I would say that overall, this D line has not been the dominant force. You know, I what see was it 2019 or 12? What, what season was it? Where it was that uh, 20. It was 2020. They were literally dominant. I mean, they yeah, were was so young, good. Young's rookie year was when they right, was, and, oh, man, and they, they were young. No pun intended. They were a young yep. group, and they were so good that we just assumed, by the way, that they were going to, um, you know, continue to be great all the time, and it hasn't quite worked out that way. Yeah, uh, and certainly, you know, the health is, has been a little bit of an issue there, but uh, yeah, the consistency just has not quite been there. Uh, they, they'll they rotate some guys through as well. Uh, John Ridgway playing a decent amount of snaps for them. They'll, they'll bring in James Smith-Williams off the bench. Uh, Casey Tuhill, former Casey Eagle. Casey Tuhill's uh, had some good moments good this year. 
He has. Uh, yeah. he's, he's doing a lot for them, both uh, you know, moving forward and back. Uh, so he'll he'll do a lot for them uh, defensively. So um, no, I, obviously you, you want to make sure you block that front four. Uh, I think that's kind of paramount going into the matchup, uh, especially considering the the issues they've had on the back end. They are nowhere near as multiple as we said. No. Uh, from a coverage standpoint, it is primarily you know, cover four, split safety zone. I mean, that, that's really what they major in, right? Um, at times, I mean, I think in their base. They'll play a lot of single high coverage, um, you know, but yeah, they'll mix it up, but they're not, uh, I wouldn't say they're a great, you know, they're not a great man team. They're a beatable man team if they're going to play man. Yeah, uh, and you know, for that reason, you'll see a lot of teams. Uh, what's one something I've noticed? Or really watching them over the last couple of years, teams will often go into this and say, "All right, let, let, let's spread them out and empty." And that's something we've seen the Eagles do in the past to them. Uh, let's spread them out and empty. And yeah. if they're going to play man, we're going to we're going to play our man matchups. And if they're going to play zone, uh, all right, well, we're going to find out where you know they're receive our receivers working in the middle against those linebackers. Yep. You know, to me, the Eagles can score on this defense. And, you know, I'm not one who says terms like at will. You know, nothing is like that in the NFL. But, you know, I, I think that as we saw in the last game, which obviously went to overtime, which the Eagles won, but they put got in the 30s. Um, you know, I, I think the Eagles will be able to put up meaningful points and move the ball against this defense. Yeah, uh, last the last time these two teams played, uh, the Eagles basically. I mean, they, they kind of got the party started uh, in a bad way for Emmanuel Forbes, uh, where it was AJ yeah. Brown against Forbes over and over and over again. I believe that was oh the my God. That started well, this well, streak yeah. for, for AJ Brown, uh, and then uh, there was a couple of rough weeks in a row for Forbes, and that's what led uh, to his benching. So, um, you know, as you mentioned, St. Juice now he is an outside corner basically only now uh, with Danny Johnson coming in as the nickel. Uh, so yeah, uh, that those will be the matchups here. For the Eagles, veteran corner Kyle Fuller uh, still on the opposite. Yeah, side. solid player. You know, yep. I mean, they they don't have bad players, particularly up front, and even yep. some on the back end. But you know, it's just a very inconsistent defense in terms of how they play. And that front, it's the front four that you know I don't want to say is killing them. That's too strong a term, but yep. that was expected. You know, to be the dominant group. And mm. you know, if your front four can dominate, then that makes everything about your defense look better. And it hasn't quite worked out that way. Let's go over to the other side. Uh, there's been a, a lot of eyes on Sam Howell, his first year as a starter. Um, and it's been interesting just kind of following the, the coverage of it because uh, there have been some really impressive highs and obviously some lows. And the lows, he's uh, been sa- he's being sacked at a, a historic at a record rate. pace. Uh, he's, yeah, he's on, he's on a record pace right now. This, this um, past week, none of them were on him. I watched that tape. I mean, it was, it was really poor O-line play. You have to assume they'll get some of that fixed. Normally, if that doesn't happen, you know, that – badly two weeks in a row but the the really strange thing Fran is the first matchup week four between these two teams Howell had his best game of the year and their old line had their best game of the year against a defensive front that we know is is really really good I mean they were so good on third down Howell was eight for ten for over 100 yards on third down I think five or six of those eight completions resulted in first downs I mean Howell was really really good and he was coming off a really bad game the week prior um, and and by the way, I, I know you watched the tape this week against the Giants, okay? I actually was impressed with Howell, given what happened in the first half and how he came out in the second half. He is a mentally tough kid. He made some big-time throws in the second half. He made a throw that was actually dropped, I believe, by Samuel, a far yep. hash, deep throw. You know the play I'm talking about? Sure, yep. That was an unbelievable throw. So I was actually impressed with how he stayed in there, 
was not did not let all this pressure which was quick pressure as you know yeah did not let he did he did not start to play frenetic or fast he just played um and uh, in an odd way i was kind of impressed with him and that's what it's been a little bit of a resounding theme. It was a couple Thursdays ago. They played Chicago uh, on Thursday night football. Uh, and there was a, a really rough start uh, for Sam Howell and the, and the commander's offense. And then he came out in the second half and rebounded. And uh, you yep. mentioned that Buffalo game when the Eagle on the right before they played the Eagles uh, last time in week three, uh, he got sacked like nine times, nine in that times. Game, but you're watching the fourth quarter and he, he's still standing in there and delivering big throws from the opposite yep. hash or layering throws at the second level, uh, standing tall in the pocket. You know, he's, he's got, of fearlessness to him uh and you mentioned it was probably his best game against the eagles in week four in that game you saw his ability to both deliver uh, under pressure uh he, i remember the, there was the one play he delivered with with milton williams bearing down about yep. to deliver a huge shot on him uh but then also he made plays with his feet as well uh he's got some athleticism and so uh that's something that the eagles will have to contend with because also i mean uh one of my notes just going back through uh you know watching uh going through my notes from that game in week four I thought their game plan was really sound. They do they do some really good things formationally yeah. uh, with a, from a motion standpoint to try and create some good matchups and put stress on your rules and coverage. Uh, so uh, that's uh, you you have to be ready for that from an Eric Bieniemy offense, uh, just in terms of the way that they're going to try and put stress on you. And certainly, the Eagles are not going to play the way the Giants did this past week. This was the a Wink Martindale game that we all expected the Giants to be this season, which yep. they hadn't really been a lot. You know, I mean, they rushed five or more on twenty eight of Howell's forty nine dropbacks. You know, nineteen of the twenty eight came out of sub defense. The Eagles are not going to do that. Um, he played a ton of man coverage, both cover one and two man. You know. I'm not saying the Eagles won't play man. They do play man, but they're not going to play it at the high percentage that Wink Martindale did. So he'll play against a little different defense. You know, the big question is, can the O-line hold up, which they did in week four, which in some ways looking back now is very, very surprising. Even though I think he was sacked five times, it wasn't a defining feature of the game. It wasn't as if he was under pressure constantly in that game. Uh, let's talk through some of the uh, the pass catchers for Howell as well, because yeah. Mc- McLaren, uh, one of the more well-respected receivers in football, really good uh, he, he can do a little bit of everything. Jahan Dotson's been interesting because he he has not been targeted as much. Uh, he's no. had some frustrating drops. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a little bit of a rough go in year two for Jahan Dotson, but Curtis Samuel is now healthy and he's coming on. He's made some plays for them. So, uh, what do you make of the, this group of wide receivers for Washington? Yeah, I mean McLaurin is McLaurin. We've talked about him over the years. He's you know been around and he's made plays against the Eagles many times uh he's he's a, a very overlooked top receiver type in the league um Dotson is the guy who's probably been a little disappointing for them um loved him as you did coming out of Penn State has shown flashes of being you know if not a quote-unquote one whatever that means but certainly a one eight type and it hasn't quite come together yet this year but he's got a lot of really strong traits Samuel was kind of the wild card, the movement player who lines up anywhere, and you have to be aware of that. He'll line up in the backfield. He can line up as a wing tight end. He'll he'll be their motion movement guy. You just have to be aware of how you want to deal with him and have a plan for it because he can line up anywhere in your formation. And then the tight end usage is going to be stressful as well because they'll move Logan Thomas around. Uh, Cole Turner uh, is an They'll an play three player. tight ends at times. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll put John Bates out there. They, they use these tight ends, and they, they're they focal parts of the game, of pass game at times. There are times they are primary reads on the backside of the formation. So yeah. uh, that's something you have to figure out, okay, how we're going to match up to those kind of looks. The big those issue guys have to some me is, is, for whatever reason, okay, and again, now you have to be in their meetings, is the run game in terms of volume has been very inconsistent. Mm. Um, 
you know, I thought prior to the season, and my guess is they probably thought so too, given that they were starting a second year and experienced quarterback, was that Brian Robinson would be kind of a foundational player, meaning he'd get anywhere, you know, from 17 to 20 carries a game, you know, depending on the game. Um, uh, and it hasn't quite worked out that way. He's had some moments, but, you know, they just haven't been able to do that for whatever reason. And I think stylistically, he's that kind of back, but it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I was uh, I was you know kind of going through some of the the coverage with them, and John Kime from ESPN brought up a good point: is that uh, they have yet to have a 100 yard rushing performance from their running backs. Like uh, they've they've right. reached 100 yards a couple times because of Howell, um, but the the running backs they have not they've just not been able to to get it from a pure volume standpoint. But when you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, this has been an explosive run game. I know before the the last time these two teams played, the the Commanders actually led the NFL in explosive run rate. They're excellent yards after contact uh that's a brian robinson trait uh through and through uh yep. yards or yards per attempt they're they're in the top half so I, I think when you look at a lot of these numbers uh they are very favorable but again it's just that the volume has not quite been there but uh you do have to account for that let's now talk about uh, the offensive line because i would say that, that honestly to me like that is the issue with their run game is that uh that that o-line just does not have like those people movers uh up front and they're going to be missing one of their starters now because uh, Sadiq Charles uh, left the game this past week, uh, apparently re-aggravated a calf injury uh, that was plaguing him in the summer. Um, my guess is with him re-aggravating a calf injury, uh, I can't imagine he's going to go uh, this week. And that's their starting thing. Not, and so Ricky Stromberg, uh, he's a rookie, right, from Arkansas? Rookie, yeah, rookie third-round pick from Arkansas. This he was year. a center at Arkansas. I remember watching him. thought he was a really solid center type, but obviously he's going to play right guard. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, I thought he was a real solid college player, you know, a lot of experience starting in the SEC. Uh, my guess is he'll do, you know, reasonably fine in the run game. The question yes. will be pass protection. Um, it's but not yeah. like, uh, it's not like Charles has been a, a beacon of consistency. There no, no, anyway. yeah, it's so, not. yeah, it might, it might, like, it might be one of those, uh, like sneaky upgrades, uh, as well, just because yeah, of the unknown. That's a great point. You could well be right about that. Um, but yeah, you know, they've just been so. I mean, like I said, you you go back and you and you watch some of the plays from the Eagles game week four, which I did today, and you see, boy, they did a pretty good job in pass pro. And then you watch them against the Giants and just basic TT stunts they couldn't handle at all, you yeah. know. And and you know, you just you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, there was such quick pressure this in this game against the Giants. Howell literally would hit his back foot and he'd have no chance. Mm -hmm. This was not a case of Sam Howell holding the ball or not knowing what he was looking at. This yep. was such quick pressure. Then they struggled with some blitzes. Um, you know, it's and I'm being honest, I just don't know what you're going to get from their old line this week. Yeah, it's um that's that's been one of the issues for them pretty much for the entire season uh, has been both run game and pass game the inconsistencies up front and you hope that the Eagles are able to kind of capitalize on that inconsistency on Sunday. Well, uh, Greg, as always, appreciate you joining us here for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week for Chalk Talk. Thanks, Fran. Always great hearing from Greg. Thanks to him and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our X's and O's content here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I am Fran Delphi. We will talk to you next week. Eagles fans, the Pennsylvania general election is right around the corner. Now is the time to create your game plan to vote on Tuesday, November 7th. Text 
Eagles to 26797 to register to vote and check your voter registration status. This year, voters will have the chance to elect county and city officials, as well as judges and other local representatives. You can vote in person, by mail, or at a secure ballot drop box. Be sure to register to vote by Monday, October 23rd, and request a mail-in by Tuesday, October 31st. Our democracy is only as strong as our commitment to participate in it. Go birds and go vote.